Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 411 of Longbox Heroes. This is Joe, joined by Todd. Todd, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good. The 411, we're giving the info, Joe. Right. We have a working title for this week's episode, unless one of us say something stupid during the course of things. What are the odds of one of us saying something stupid? Right. I don't like those odds. If only we <laughs> knew someone who was in Vegas and could lay the odds uh, on that. I understand you could bet on anything in Vegas. You can. And never tell me the odds, Joe. Mm-hmm. And I want to say this. Uh, I mentioned briefly as we recorded uh, After Dark, you know, we do these things out of order. I listen to a lot of podcasts, Todd. <laughs> sometimes I worry about uh, the rambling up front on the main show, you know, instead of getting right down to business. Right. And I listen to shows where the first 20 minutes of their hour podcast, it's like, oh, we'll get to the topic eventually. Let's ramble about like this. Mm-hmm. Or let's ramble about that. So that doesn't make it any better for us to do. I'm just saying I don't feel as bad now that I've listened to so many more podcasts that don't get down to business at the start of their show. I think like we're a good – I think at the most we've ever really rambled is like five to seven minutes. Right. At the most. That's just because we get distracted by something. I do. Shiny things are my kryptonite. Yes. So, let's get into what we have on the show here today. We have a bunch of uh, news regarding uh, one of the most prestigious award shows uh, in comics getting smaller. Uh, Two DC news items, one involving comics, another one involving lawsuits. A lot of lawsuits in the news these days. Uh, (laughs) Conventions, a boatload of digital sales and freebies. What we read from this past week, which includes Fantastic Four, Numero Uno, Numero Uno, as well as the Sandman Universe, Numero Uno. What we're looking forward to this week, Todd's Art Attack, of course. Uh, And since we have no TV or movie talk, uh, we do have, uh, we're dipping into the mailbag for a little bit more comic book discussion. Ooh, mailbag's back. Yes. So let's get into things here. I started up front here talking about awards, specifically the Harvey Awards. Now, I know you and I are not huge award-type people. The only awards that really matter are the Wizard Fan Awards, which I still <laughs> hold in my basement every year. And the Todd Nods. Right, the Todd Nod, of course. And the Harvey Awards were purchased, if you remember, because they used to be part of Baltimore, correct? I- I'm pretty sure it was either that or the Eisners. I get so confused anymore. Right. I'm pretty sure that the Harveys used to be at Baltimore because I know that now they're in New York. Mm-hmm. And this year, they're going from 22 awards to six awards. That's some shaving right there. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this. Each uh, category has anywhere from five to 13 nominees. Mm-hmm. Uh, book of the Year, Digital Book of the Year, Children or Young Adult Book of the Year, Adaptation from a Comic Book Slash Graphic Novel, Best Manga, and Best European Book. Mm-hmm. I do like that they've gone to just strictly the book themselves. 
And I guess, like, just looking at the list of things, I mentioned it last week, and I'll kind of mention it in passing a little bit with the digital sales. In digital books, Bandette by Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover are the creators of that book. If that wins digital book of the year, that's the way of uh, providing them, a writer and an artist, creative team, an award. Right. Uh, a lot of these things would be... I don't want to say mucked up of, like, adapted material, reprinted material. I'm kind of sad that they're not doing, like, best writer, best artist sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And that they're just sticking to books. But this is... I don't know. I'd like to bring up the awards because I still think, like, the Harveys and the Eisners still kind of sort of mean something. But at the end of the day, if you're going from 22 to 6, doesn't mean anything anymore. Well, you got to add that popular comic like they did with the Oscars. Um, or are going to do. Are going to do. We give it a, <laughs> yeah, we're going to give an award for the most popular book, the one that sold the most copies. Here it is, A Bag of Money. Oh, wait, you <laughs> already would... got that from selling so many comic books? Or we'll just keep this award of A Bag of Money. I would totally love an award to be like a metal sack of cash. Mm-hmm. That would be great. But I, see, it's it's funny because I'm a bit of like, you know, like joking around, we joke around. I'm a bit of a comic snob. So a lot of these like stuff that are on these awards, the Eisners, the Harveys, blah, 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 I've, I've never really read or seen. So I'm like, eh, I'll always pick the one. Like there's always one that I know and I'm like, I, I root for that one. It makes me want to read some of these, but like as, as we joke around, that, uh, with the Oscars again, it's like awards to me don't really mean anything to me when, you know, when Forrest Gump, as we always say, beats out Pulp Fiction for best picture, I'm like, your awards mean nothing to me. <laughs> so that way with a lot of comic awards too, I'm like, I've read this and I read this and this beat out this. No. So it's all, su- you know, it's all, you know, what do you call subjective to me anyway. The the one for me that I think is the funniest, because, like, you know, children's book, I don't know any of the books that are in there. As mentioned, digital book, Bandad, I've read. Uh, in book of the year, the only thing that I read is Black Hammer Secret Origins by Jeff Lemire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the best adaptation from a comic or graphic novel, it's uh, Atomic Blonde, uh, Black Panther, Lego Batman movie, which actually came out two years ago. Uh, Logan, which also came out two years ago. My Friend Dahmer, which I don't know. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, Wonder Woman. Again, these are things from like two years ago. Uh, Riverdale on the CW. Uh, some other show on AMC that I won't mention. (laughs) And My Friend Dahmer, which I'm unaware of. I think you said that already. Oh, um, oh, something called The End of the Blanking World. That's on Netflix. Okay. Because you said, uh, you know, my friend Dollar twice, which you've never heard of. So I guess that's the Netflix one you meant. Mm -hmm. So it's just so funny. It's like, yeah, here, like, how come Infinity War is not nominated? That's inspired by the events of uh, Infinite Gauntlet. I don't know. Um, Out of all those, though, Logan is my winner. Hmm. I loved Logan. I would give it to Logan, but looking at the rest of these awards, I would guess that my friend Dahmer would win. Not Black. I'm going with Black Panther for the win. Hmm. Calling my shot now. There you go. 
Now, with this being mentioned, of course, as we're poo-pooing this award uh, thing, and well, not poo-pooing it, but not taking it as seriously, if there is any major convention out there that would like to have the Longbox Heroes Awards, we are not above coming out to your convention, specifically in a tropical climate, Hawaii or overseas. A plane mm-hmm. ride is mandatory. And we London would be great. We will London. have our yearly award shows at your convention. We would do that. Right. For a nominal fee, times two, because there's two of us. That's right. So we want not one, but two. Uh, so moving along with some of the DC news that we have here. Now, this is a weird one that I saw come up because, uh, you know, lawsuits are a thing that happen. I only know mm-hmm. about lawsuits that happen in the world of professional wrestling. So Wait when lawsuits happen in the world of comic books, it always makes me uh, perk up, if you will. I didn't know wrestling had lawsuits. Oh, yes. But anyway, what lawsuits are happening in the world of comic books? Uh, so DC recently uh, applied for the trademark on not only the word super pets, but also super hyphen pets. Now, they had put out a line of books uh, by Art Balthazar, some of them by Franco. They even put out, like, a big, giant, like, encyclopedia of every DC character having their own individual pet or multiple pets, depending on who they are. And people were questioning as to why they were doing this, since they had already been putting these out. Well, apparently, it's in combat of an upcoming or possibly already happening Netflix original series called Super Monsters. Which I think should be a different thing, but... Right, so I don't know how the two come about, but I am I would assume that the Super Monsters on this seemingly poorly digitally animated thing that Netflix is cranking out, mm-hmm. uh, they probably are going to have Super Pets that the Super Monsters have. Right, and I, I mean... I'm surprised that they're actually just getting around to this for right. Super Pets because, like, years ago, like, in the 80s, they had the Legion of Super Pets. So you would figure, you know, like, when these guys, they get their trademarks, it's like, all right, Legion of Super Pets. Let's trademark Legion of Super Pets. Let's trademark Legion. Let's tra- trademark Super Pets. Let's trademark of. Let's trademark the, you know. It just seems like this would have been something that they had done Years ago, like would be Streaky and Comet and all the all the other super pets. I I don't know. This is this is actually surprising to me. I I think what it is is you have to do one set of copyrights and trademarks for print. You have to do another thing for like toys. You have oh. to do another thing for animation. You have to do another thing for you know motion pictures. So That's it's a lot have... of different things that they're they have to do the one, like one trademark or one copyright doesn't cover everything. That's why you keep lawyers on retainer, and that's all they do is just trademark stuff all day. That little TM in the corner, bang, 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 bang. Which just seems odd that they would do this all of a sudden now, because between me and you, the the frequency at which Netflix cranks out. Uh, original programming is mind-boggling, and it's here today, gone tomorrow. What? Stuff stays forever on Netflix. We, the other day, watched uh, the 10-year-old Disney animated classic, Bolt. 
Um, was that Miley Cyrus? That's Miley Cyrus and John Travolta in the leads, yes. Oh, John Travolta hasn't topped anything since Look Who's Talking 1, 2, two and 3. The aforementioned Pulp Fiction. No, that's, that's no. On my awards, Joe, Look Who's Talking beat out Pulp Fiction. Okay. So as soon as the movie's over, it's like, oh, here's this, you liked Bolt, here's this unrelated but animated Netflix original thing called Duck, Duck, Goose to watch. Isn't that a search engine? Uh, that's Duck, Duck, Go, the uh, oh, okay. premier sponsor and podcast, or uh, search engine of this show. Right, I got confused. And the entire soon-to-be-named network. But it just, I, I, call me crazy, and... I may not have my finger on the pulse of what the newest and latest and hottest trends are going to be. I don't see this Super Monsters Netflix original series becoming the next Pokemon. I agree. I just find it anytime somebody uses the word super in their title, DC is going to come like, you know, looking, knocking, like, what are you doing? All right, stop it. <laughs> you know, you, you see Marvel put some legal action out against some sort of Bitcoin that's called something like Wakanda-ish. Yeah, I saw something like that. I wonder what the Wakanda money is actually called. Like I said, I always knew that the Latvian money was a Latvian franc, so I don't know what the Wakanda money is. I've, I have the the uh, the Marvel uh, atlas, and it has all that information, so I'll have to look that up sometime. Well, here, let me ask DuckDuckGo right now, because one of the oh. things that people love and miss on the show is me typing loudly. I never stop missing that. Official currency of Wakanda. Now, as I was typing that in, it, it actually prompted me uh, that it was what is the official currency of Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Currency is the Wakandan dollar. Oh, just the dollar? That's not very, uh... Yeah, but it's the Wakandan dollar. I do like the Latvian Frank, though. That's a great... That's that's going to be my band name. I knew a guy. His name was Latvian Frank. <laughs> he, he used to sell things in Latveria. Right. Want to buy it? Oh. <laughs> uh, so, other DC actual publishing news... Uh, we are maybe going to be getting more uh, from Greg Rucka. Uh, apparently, one of the books in the pipeline is a Wonder Woman book, a uh, character that he has tackled before. And apparently, there is a Wonder Woman series uh, that he had, I guess, which was going to be part of when he was doing Adventure back in the mid-2000s, that it's kind of been put on the shelf and is coming back for... Uh, the black label stuff at DC. Now, I like Greg Ruck. I think he gets uh, a lot of these DC characters. You know, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think, talking about uh, the Greg Rucka, Ed Brubaker, Gotham Central book. Mm-hmm. And I think when it's one character, I th- he, you know, he had a really good run on Wonder Woman, as mentioned, but when it's a street-level character and it's very little with the powers stuff... Super or otherwise, I think Greg Rucka shines the most. I'm just waiting for another original series to actually come out from Black Label as opposed to them repurposing stuff that has already been published. Hey, that's that's how you start out. So you could just get right to the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you can get right to the to, to publishing stuff. I think once they announced it, and like we said, that uh, the White Knight became part of Black Label afterwards. They're like, oh, we have a hit, so let's put it out. Let's put a couple of hits. And I don't know if it like props up the label. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't understand why you just don't throw on Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen and just make all those Black Label books too. But I know what you're saying. Right, retroactively, the black label thing is a success. Look at all the stuff that it produced. <laughs> yep. Oh, look at most of Vertigo, black label. Mm-hmm. The actual publishing arm of DC is becoming some sort of alternate reality story where all the stuff that is now, like, all the stuff that came before is now canon. We just didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. You know, Psycho Pirate, like, snapped his fingers or got his neck snapped by someone, and now we all remember that the Black Label has been, you know, it's like, what, this is the 20th anniversary of Black Label? I thought it was a Vertigo. No, they were both launched at the same time. Did you forget? Apparently. Hey, don't you know it's fan-favorite Superboy punching the reality wall? (laughs) (sighs) We don't talk about Countdown anymore, do we? Countdown, 52 done right. I actually once went on record in the middle of Countdown in an interview with someone saying that <laughs> oh I enjoyed Countdown. Oh, Countdown was interesting until the end, and then there's that whole time it, until it got where, to like the last like th- like the last third, right? And then at one point, there's a joke that I still do with the fancy gentleman, where there's a whole episode told through Buddy Blank's notes. And it's so boring. <laughs> so boring. And at the end, I read that book and I was just like, I was like, this book was so boring. Thank you for your notes, buddy blank. Thank you. <laughs> it's just, oh, so bad. So, uh, that's the news. Let's head over to some conventions. Uh, there's a bunch of conventions happening this weekend, uh, all across the United States. Uh, we have Stockton Con in Stockton, California, with comic book folks there, such as Howard uh, Howard Chaikin, uh, Kyle Starks. Uh, actually, someone we actually need to contact. Apparently, there's interest of uh, him being on the show in the future. Oh, cool. That just reminded me. I'll have to reach out to him to see uh, how our schedules line up. Uh, Interesting. Payalo Rivera, Scott Koblish, Ramon Villalobos, and then on the entertainment side... Uh, you have Christian, formerly of Edge and, and uh, Todd's favorite Kabuki-style professional wrestler. Ooh, I know him. Right. Stan. He's the bassist from the police. No. That's, uh, I was going to say Gordon Shumway. I need to make a <laughs> note for myself of what Sting's shoot last name is. It is Gordon Shumway. I think so. You know who Gordon Shumway is? I do know who Gordon Shumway is. I'm glad, because if you didn't, we wouldn't be friends. Right, this podcast would be over. Did you know they're trying to reboot that? Uh, why not? I think, you ha- I think you have to continue. You can't reboot ALF. Ugh. Well, they did two cliffhangers for ALF, if you remember. We're going to get in some <laughs> hot ALF talk. So <laughs> they did the TV show. Right. And that had a cliffhanger that never got followed up on. Mm-hmm. Then several years later, they did the made-for-TV movie where his people were coming back to get him to save him from the Men in Black. Right. That ended with a cliffhanger, which was supposed to lead to the reboot of the TV show that never happened. Right. And then he had a talk show. 
Well, and now, right, I've, the ALF talk show, now, when the new ALF TV show comes out, it needs to be he's the editor of the black label thing at DC to tie it all together. Oh. Ha! That's my ALF laugh. I was listening to this on another podcast the other day that in the pilot episode of ALF, they had ALF drinking a beer. <laughs> Boy. And they're like, the show notes were like, we can't have Alf drinking a beer. And anytime any sort of alien or Moppet or Muppet <laughs> live action character, whether it be in movie or TV, obviously being marketed for children, would come out and the character would be doing something like that, they would always come back and say, well, E.T. drank a beer. Oh. And they would come back and say, you're not E.T. Take it out. Uh, I hope they don't drink beer in the Happy Time Murders. I don't know what that is. Uh, that's a that is the adult comedy Muppet movie. Imagine uh, who, who framed Roger Rabbit, mm -hmm. but with puppets. The instead of cartoons, and it's uh, they're solving a murder, and it's rated R, and it's Jim Henson's son doing all the stuff. And the tagline that they got sued for was. Uh, no Sesame, All Street. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to bring it around to lawsuits, Joe. Because I remember uh, when you say that, uh, you know, doing Muppets in more of an adult fashion, I'm taken back to Meet the Feebles by right. Peter Jackson. Yep, right. yep. Uh, I'll have to send you the red the red label, red tube link of it. It's pretty good, but anyway. There you go. So, again, ALF not at this convention or any of the other conventions. <laughs> Uh, at the Michigan Comic-Con, somewhere in Michigan, uh, Jerry Conway is going to be there. Weiss Portacio making a comeback. This is like the third time he's been mentioned at a convention this year. New Wetworks issue? Oh, I can only hope. Uh, Billy West is going to be there. Michael Bean of Terminator, Aliens, and other James Cameron film fame. Kevin Mr. Con Bean? No, not that guy. Oh, Kevin okay. Conroy, uh... Nichelle Nichols is going to be there. Leah Thompson uh, of Howard the Duck fame and nothing else as I can remember. Mm. And uh, Carrie Elwiz is going to be there. Now, did you say Michelle Nichols? Yes. Is that Ohura? Yes. I just read an article that she that they announced that she has like the early stages of dementia. So I'm wondering if she's go actually going to be there. I did not see that news story. She is still being listed on the convention. Let's see what DuckDuckGo has to say. And then let me check. Right. Okay, so that was three days ago. Their website still says as of today she's going to be there. Let's check their Twitter. Still says Leah I, Thompson. I'm just going through here. A lot of animation type folks are going to be there. Okay. Uh, nothing on their Twitter about her cancellation due to being diagnosed with dementia. I can see how that can prevent you from doing pretty much anything. Okay. Oh, I'm just reading the article now about it. It says, however, the actress' long-term memory does not seem to be affected at this time. Uh -huh. So we'll see. Yep. The story broke three days ago, and I'm already five to six days into their announcements, and there's nothing in there about her cancellation. So okay. maybe she'll be there. Maybe she won't. Who knows? It'll be a mystery to everyone. 
but the big convention, or actually, uh, so uh, in New York is FlameCon as well. Uh, more of a comic book, less media guests. Uh, Amy Reader, Dan Parent of Archie Comics, uh, James Tinney in the fourth. Uh, Saya Grace, who does a lot of stuff over at Marvel, are going to be at that convention amongst other ones. But the big convention this weekend, with an asterisk, is Terrific Con in Connecticut. Right. Now, the reason I say with an asterisk is, when you go to their website, it automatically plays a YouTube video of some sort of announcement about the show. Uh-oh. But I will forgive them when you hear this lineup. Roy Thomas, Jim Starlin... Pete Tomasi, Nick Spencer, Ryan Stegman, uh, Alan Davis, Kevin Nolan, uh, Jason Fabok, Keith is going to be there. Salty Keith? Salty Keith. Uh, <laughs> Art Balthazar and Franco, along with John Suntress. And I just want to bring it around. Uh, John Suntress does two different podcasts, one with Art and Franco. He does another one, Word Balloon. Comic Book Conversations has a lot of really good guests on lately. He just had Joel Jones on the other day, mm -hmm. uh, and that's in the hopper to listen to next. But he was talking that he had recently done an interview with Ryan Stegman, mm -hmm. and in the interview, Ryan Stegman mentioned that his wife does all of his bookings for him. Oh, okay. And it's like he'll get offers to do different conventions, and the only ones that she she accepts is the ones that take place at or in casinos. Oh my goodness, I like her style. Right. So he's like, um, he goes, I need to get caught up on this Venom book. And she goes, no, we're doing this convention. <laughs> Viva Las Vegas. Or Connecticut, Mohegan Sun. Well, there's, there's casinos there too. Mm -hmm. Uh, so links to all of those conventions will be in the show notes. Uh, as we'll link to the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Where anytime any of the shows in our little umbrella of shows, like-minded individual, friends, acquaintances, and otherwise, put on an episode of a show or appear on another show, and remind me, and I'm not sleeping for 20 hours straight, it will go up on the site in a somewhat timely fashion, uh, whether it be this show, whether it be Longbox Heroes After Dark, Podvocacy, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Argument, Everlasting Minute, uh, Prodigal Sons podcast, or as mentioned, anytime Jason shows up on one of the many Transformers podcasts that he s sticks his toe into on a uh, se seemingly daily basis. That's Tobots. He's doing a lot of podcasting. Yes, he is. You see IDW is doing a GoBots book? Oh, GoBots, the real Transforming Robots. Wasn't there, at the time, a third... Uh, like, even less quality transforming robot? <laughs> I don't know. I can imagine there probably was a, a, another knockoff. Uh-huh. I'm sure someone will tell us. This is one I'm not going to look up. Um, but I, cause I want interaction with people to tell me this one. Mm. Uh, so the links to all those will be in the show notes, uh, as well as a link to friend of the show, uh, longtime listener, uh, to the show, Jason Sandberg's original comic that he has that you can get digitally over at Comixology entitled Jupiter. Uh, it is a hefty read. It's a lot of strips. It's a lot of short stories. Uh, I did read, oh boy, I'm trying to think. Uh, I would say at least the first big story uh, entitled Junk. 
uh, kind of a fun take on trends and things of that nature. And then there's a recurring character that shows up called Crawdad. And every close-up drawing of Crawdad's face will haunt your nightmares. It very much took me back to uh, Basket Case and looking at young Belial, the uh, lopped-off part of the uh, main character that lived in a basket in his seedy New York apartment. Who made Basket Case? Uh, that was, uh, oh boy, this was it Frank Henlon Hotter? Oh, I thought that was another uh, Jackson movie, Peter Jackson. No. Uh, yes, Frank Henlon Hotter. I'm, I I, re- I retain my uh, credential as a horror nerd who has lapsed, sadly. That's not the song by uh, Green Day, neither. Hmm. Uh, but go check out Jason's book. Uh, it's a lot of fun, uh, especially if you're tired of the typical uh, superhero nonsense that we kind of uh, go on about uh, on this show. It's it's a very good book for what I've read so far. But some of the other stuff that's available here, whether it be on sale or for free, uh, again, also in the show notes, uh, some stuff held over from the last couple of weeks, the aforementioned uh, Monkey Brain sale where you can get Bandette, which is up for a uh, Harvey Award, Titan having a sale on Hard Case Crime, whatever that means, uh, Udon is having a sale on Street Fighter stuff, Dynamite is having a sale on their Lady Comics, Heroines, you know, I'm making some fun there, but hey, that's all that Red Sonia stuff by Gail Simone, and that's some good stuff. Uh, Oni Press is having a sale on a variety of uh, graphic novels, Dark Horse is having a sale on their Terminator stuff, uh, they have a new Terminator book that's coming out this week, and uh, I think that's one of the few last properties that they still have their uh, their their grips on. Mm-hmm. Until Disney and or someone else buys Predator, Buffy, and Terminator, I guess. Doesn't Disney have Predator now? Uh, I don't know. They just did a Predator sale a week or so ago. I know they got Conan. I don't know about Predator yet. Gotcha. Ali- they got Aliens. That's right. Right. I don't think it was Predator. Uh, DC is having a sale on Green Arrow-related stuff, and I don't know what's going on there. I'm kind of out of the Green Arrow loop. But there is a ton of great comic books in there. Uh, I think the uh, Kevin Smith run is in there. You got that Jeff Lemire run that was from the tail end of the New 52. And then you got your classics. Uh, you know, your Mike Grell, your Longbow Hunters sort of stuff. Uh, a lot of good Green Arrow books to check out there. And the last sale I want to mention, and again, another sale, another item to mention with an asterisk. Marvel is having a sale on Spider-Man Sinister Six books. And I'm like, all right. I like Spider-Man. I like the Sinister Six. There's not a ton of Sinister Six storylines. So uh, let's see what we got here to recommend. And you get into some stuff that's kind of tangentially mentioned. It's like, oh, here's like a whole bunch of Hobgoblin stuff. And then here's Craven's first hunt. Eh, we're missing Craven's last hunt, but all right. <laughs> uh <laughs> Hobgoblin, okay, sure, he wasn't a founding member of the Sinister Six. Uh, Venom never was a member of the Sinister Six. Okay, all right, well, we're getting some stuff. The most glaring omission in this sale, Todd, is one of my favorite Spider-Man stories of all time. It was from the 90s. It was the lovingly called adjectiveless Spider-Man book. It wasn't amazing or spectacular or in a web. It was just called Spider-Man. 
Uh, it was issues 18 to 23, written and drawn by Eric Larson, entitled Revenge of the Sinister Six. A book called Revenge of the Sinister Six, not included in this sale. Well, sometimes stuff falls through the cracks. Again, I mentioned, there's not a ton of of stories that are called Something Something Sinister Six, and you miss one of the biggest ones that they ever did. Now, wasn't, are you sure Venom was never part of the Sinister Six in any form? Um, I'm, I'm gonna stake my, uh, fandom as a Spider-Man guy and say no, he never was. Okay, I thought he was, but you are the Spider-Man guy. Mm-hmm. Your original True Blue Sinister Six is your Sandman, your 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 Electro, your Mysterio, your Vulture. You throw like those are your core four. You want to throw a Doc or your core five Doc Ock, and that sixth is always like a floating member, but it's never been Venom. Okay. Stake my reputation on that. There are a couple uh, new freebies, of course. Uh, a book entitled FF Number One, which was, I think, when Jonathan Hickman was writing the Fantastic Four book. Uh, Mighty Avengers Number One, which was uh, the second Avengers book that Bendis did. Thanos vs. Hulk Number One by Jim Starlin, who, uh, you know, he's, he's known to write a good Thanos story now and then. And my pick of the week, it's been a while since this book has come up, while some of these other books seem to come up more frequently... As as freebies, Superior Spider-Man number one. Ooh. The first issue of one of my favorite Spider-Man runs of all time is available for free. Uh, if you've heard me talk about it before, if you've heard other people talk about it before, I highly recommend checking it out. It'll probably be free for like the next like two and a half, three weeks. Uh, again, gets a high, high, high recommendation from me. Okay, and the fifth incarnation of the Sinister Six that was made to get uh, by formed by Sandman to get revenge on Dr. Octopus. Sandman, Electro, Craven the Hunter, which was Olasha Kravenoff, Mysterio, Venom, and Vulture. I, I, that sounds made up. When has Wikipedia ever been wrong? Is that, um, a Joe Kelly pen story? Do you have that there in front of you? Uh, no, I don't know because I just have it in front of me and it says. That it's the fifth incarnation, that's all. It doesn't say anything else. I still say I'm right. Well, of course you would be right. So let's move on to what we read from this past week, Todd. Right. Uh, let's start with the book I think we were both looking forward to most, and that's Fantastic Four, the return of the Fantastic Four in the Marvel Universe after a, what, two and two and a half year hiatus? Well, I guess if you don't count Marvel 2 and 1, but yes. That, no, there's no 4 in there, so it's more, it's a hiatus of that. But, uh, by Dan Slott and drawn by Sarah Pacelli, um, this is, I guess, after the events of Marvel 2 and 1 currently, where Ben and, uh, Johnny don't have their powers and are in a different universe. But, uh, that's, you know, if you ignore that, we're, we're ready to go. Um, and at the beginning of the book, someone sends up the Fantastic Four flame, uh, that, you know, they used to, to, to bring the group together. So Ben and Johnny investigate, and it turns out that it was some 
of the Yancey Street Gang, and we get to see people describing what the Fantastic Four meant to them, and they think whether they think if they're gone or not, and this leads to turbulence between Johnny and Ben um, on whether you know they think they'll ever come back, and Ben completely doesn't believe, but Johnny kind of does. And in that story, we're also treated to Johnny reminiscing about a long lost, uh, Fantastic Four, uh, mission where singing is an important part. And we get to find out maybe who the best singer in the FF is, which introduces a new character, which I do believe is going to, you know, come back. Uh, that's a big thing that I think that, that this isn't just a throwaway character. It's somebody Dan Slott's creating to, uh, to pick up the pace. And we get whether or not, uh, the FF, you know, is going to get back together and we get a glimpse of Reed and Sue and wherever they are. And not to spoil anything, but the group doesn't get back together just quite yet, but all the makings of the search that uh for sue and reed is on now um i really enjoyed this story i thought it had heart i was really worried with dan slot dan slot likes to get goofy and cute a la especially like in the tony stark book right now iron man but i think he strayed away from that and he he was more touching and family oriented as what the ff should be and for the first part of this book i really enjoyed the uh, FF story. And there's also a Dr. Doom backup story, but uh, I want to get what you thought of the, uh, the the front part of the book. Uh, I like the front part of the book, and I know we kind of joked here. It's like, well, this is the return of the Fantastic Four. If you ignore this, and mm-hmm. if you ignore this other story, where that's kind of like what's been building up in those other books. They're like, what, we, what are we going to do with Johnny and the thing uh, while Re- Reed and Sue were still off planet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as though this book, while I enjoyed it, and I'm sure if you were not reading Marvel two and one, uh, and this is your first reintroduction to these characters after they after they've been away for the better part of the last two or three years, that I think this would have that much more of an emotional punch. Where I do think that this did have an emotional punch, but to me, Ben and Johnny have been around for like the last year looking for Reed and Sue, and mm-hmm. this was not new ground to be tread for me, which right. helps a new reader coming in who didn't buy Marvel 2-in-1 because it wasn't called the Fantastic Four, but someone who was reading Marvel 2-in-1, knowing that the Fantastic Four are coming back, this just takes like a little bit of the wind out of the sails, but it was still a really good issue. It was a beautiful issue, first and foremost, and... I know you had mentioned Dan Slott gets a little cute, like he is over in Tony Stark Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I thought his first issue of Tony Stark Iron Man was a great jumping on point. Here's the new status quo. We're giving you a kind of frame of reference character who is you, the reader, who needs to have everything explained to them of what's going on so that they can explain it to you, the reader. Great number one issue. Mm-hmm. This was a great number one issue, of course, if you haven't been reading Marvel 2 and 1. Only problem is, it was a little light on actual plot for a book that was $5. I'll give you that. Um, the one thing that I really did like, though, is when we did finally get to see Reed and Sue, 
that to me that is my favorite moment of the book is there's a Reed and Sue moment where it shows you just like Sue's worried and Reed's like hey it, you know don't you believe in me and it's like all, like all joking aside to, to take it to preach it's like till the end of the world you know what I mean like and re- and that's just Reed and Sue and I and I and I really like that but I get you there's not a lot of plot there that, and I always said this these dollar these dollar these issue ones even with the Tony Stark one and the Captain America one for five five ninety nine four ninety nine whatever they were they're always too they're always too long for my taste I wish they would just do a normal story or at least like this one have the ff story and more for a doctor doom story and cut them both down um but otherwise and the only problem i had with the art was every once in a while i thought sarah pacelli made the thing's head a little too tiny ah but that's just in my opinion so uh i like the main story like i said might have been a little bit light now we get into the doctor doom stuff and obviously this seems a little bit different than what we've seen of Doctor Doom in the last several, you know, since Secret War, I guess. Mm-hmm. What did That's you say? All, I'm, I'm glad that this is the Doom that we were supposed to have in a Fantastic Four book, but I'm not really sure where this lines up with where he's been as fake Iron Man for the last year plus. Well, Ed, did you read the end of the uh, Invincible Iron Man that was the Bendis run? I don't I know did. if you ever got it. Well, basically, he was disfigured, and he crawled back off to Latveria, and this is where, you know, uh, I think it was the hood basically said, you'll always be the monster, so embrace it. And he goes back to Latveria to live. And this is the, the problem that I have, is I like the story. I'm a do- I don't know if you know this, Joe, I'm a, doctor, a slight Doctor Doom fan, but it always hurts me. When Doctor Doom is down, he shouldn't be down that often. He shouldn't be sad, Doctor Doom. You know what I mean? But he basically hiding in the, in the Latvian castle, and somebody shows up. Is like, we need you to take back what is Latveria, and he rises up and he does it. And basically, I was wasn't a big fan of the story to see Doctor Doom brung low, but at the end, it's like, hey. You know what? This is the road back to the doom I know and love. So I'm 100%, you know, behind it. That's the way I look at this story. And then, of course, there's the last page. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little impossible man uh, strip where he essentially complains as us, the reader, that we were promised the Fantastic Four back in this issue. And uh, they're not, and then they're told, like, no, 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 they'll all be together next issue. Mm-hmm. So are you, so do you think that's, like, self-aware? Yes, absolutely. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was a little fun gag there at the end. Uh, I really enjoyed the book. I recommend it. Okay. Yeah. So the other book that we read from this past week was Sandman Universe Number 1. Uh, written and drawn by a host of folks, uh, Dan Waters, Cat Howard, Nalo Hopkinson, Simon Spurrier as the writers, all overseen by Neil Gaiman. And that gets a little, uh, and again, I don't want to say suspect, but it gets a little loose to me. Mm-hmm. Because in the beginning, it says that it was overseen by 
And then the actual, all the publicity from, uh, from DC for this Vertigo, DC, says that it was a story that was initially thought up by Neil that all these other folks fleshed out. That's the way I was always under the uh, thing when I saw a while back was that Neil was going to plot it and then everybody else was going to uh, like work in their characters. And I think maybe there was one or two things that he might have written that, you know, made their way in, but otherwise he had nothing to do other than plot. So this more or less is your sampler of the four new books that are coming out under the Vertigo imprint in the Sandman Mm -hmm. universe. Uh, the new Books of Magic book, uh, House of Secrets. Whispers. Whispers. Uh, the Dreaming. And what's the fourth one? Luce, uh, there's House of Whispers, Lucifer, Books of Magic, Dreaming. Okay. So, this is essentially your sampler. Hey, are you interested in any of these books? Here's some things that tantalize you to get you to try these books when they come out in one and a half to three months. Mm-hmm. The only one that really grabbed me was the dreaming stuff with Matthew the Raven and that new antagonist character that he was dealing with who could go into other people's dreams. Right. And why she could do it and why she was doing it and why she was so mad at Daniel when it seemed like she had a beef with Morpheus more than anything else. Daniel. Well, no, no, wasn't Dan- it? Wasn't it that Morpheus made some sort of promise to her? Yeah, and Daniel isn't keeping it. And Daniel isn't keeping it because he's not the one who made the promise. Right, right. That's intriguing to me. Uh the rest of the stuff, not as much. I get what you're saying. Uh, my take on it is. Everything, okay, everything that was in the dreaming, seeing Lucian, seeing Matthew the Raven, seeing Cain and Abel, Mervyn Pumpkinhead, that all brought me back to familiar, you know, loving Vertigo territory. And I'm like, I really like this, so I kind of want to read the dreaming. Then they jumped, let's, I don't know what order it was, but I'm going to go to Books of Magic, which is also a book that I read for a quite a long time in the Vertigo world. So it's Timothy Hunter, not you're a wizard, Tim, because that's, you don't want to get sued. Um, but I love the <laughs> Timothy Hunter Books of Magic. So familiar, loved it. Uh, I actually kind of want to read what's going on with Timothy Hunter. Lucifer, I read the first series of Lucifer, read most of the second series of Lucifer, really enjoyed it. But now we're out of familiar territory because this book doesn't feel like the Lucifer book that I knew and loved from Sandman and the Dreaming. So I'm kind of like, eh, I don't want to. And then the House of Whispers book, I just, all, all new characters, I don't care. There's nothing there that grabs me. So basically the way I'm looking at it is I will read the, the Dreaming book because I do like that woman who has the beef with Daniel slash Morpheus. Um, I think if any character, if Neil had any hand in anything, it was the formation of her character. Because mm-hmm. that's the most like, like ba- there's a backstory we don't know, and it seems very like articulate. What what he like uh, are very like uh, ex- big. What's back there like a backstory? I don't know how to put it exactly, but I feel like that's a character he created, and he's like you know engineered a whole bunch of stuff around. So I want to read that and books of magic. Everything else, I'm pretty much I'm done with. But I enjoyed the book, and then there's a. There's a uh, a revelation at the end that takes me back to Sandman 
um, that uh, Daniel has done. And I'm like, ooh, that's big. And I want to know more about that. So in the end, they got me to be very uh, uh, into reading one or two of the books. But like I say, it all goes back to anytime they spin off anything from Zero Hour to Bloodlines to anything. One of them's probably going to be good. One of them may be a really big hit. Usually most of them are going to be stinkers. I don't think these are going to be stinkers. I, I would hope that since Neil is still involved in mm-hmm. some capacity that these things are going to have some sort of legs. Obviously, right. they're not going to publish all four of these books to being 75 to 100 uh, issue money losers. But as we've talked about books like this in the past, I'm sure there's a rough thread for all of these books. And by the time the orders for issue one comes in, they know, are we going with the six issue pitch, the 12 issue pitch, or the 25 issue pitch? And that makes it interesting, because remember back in the day when Vertigo would let anything get its legs? Yeah. I don't think the industry is quite the same anymore, Joe. And and that's, that's going to be the interesting thing, to see if they're going to do that as the Vertigo of old. Of being that Neil is so hands-on with this, or at least they're telling us that he is, that... I have a I have a definitive story that I want to tell books of magic. If you need me to tell it in 25 issues I could do it, you need me to tell it in 50 issues I do it. I can't do it in less than 20. Mm-hmm. And they come back and those first two or three issue sales are abysmal and they let them do that. It'll be interesting to see how many of these things get canceled before their time. That being said, I'm more intrigued to read at least one of these books. I never read Books of Magic. Uh, I never read Lucifer stuff. The uh, House of Whispers, House of Secrets, whatever, doesn't have the same resonance for me when it's outside of the actual Sandman book itself. Uh, Dreaming looks to be the most appetizing and appealing for me. It's not that I don't like trying new things, but when you take a thing that is so recognizable, at least to me, and then you try to graft other things onto it to get me to read them all or to get involved with them all, it's a little bit of a tougher sell as opposed to this thing from whole cloth from a creator or creators that I'm familiar with. And obviously you have to take a chance every now and then, and every story doesn't have to be exactly the same. And it does feel as though they are taking a little bit of a more of a chance with some of the things in the dreaming side of what we've seen, but they're doing it more in a familiar way that feels like Sandman. That mm-hmm. story felt the most like Sandman, which is the one that, which is the one of the books of that. If I read Books of Magic, if I read Lucifer, I'd probably feel similarly that you do about those stories there. Mm-hmm. Now, quick question: You never even read the miniseries that was written by Neil Gaiman, Books of Magic, not the ongoing? I don't think so. Okay, that was really good. Um, and then the second thing is the House of Whispers mm-hmm. is a brand new house that has never been in Sandman. It was always the House of Secrets and the House of Mysteries. Apparently, there's a third house now. But you, you get what I'm saying. House right, of Blank, know, it's all the same, you know. I got you. I'm not trying to be funny. I just didn't know if you remembered that it was the House of Mysteries. I, I didn't know what you knew. That's all I'm asking. You know, just I, I don't know what I know. So how are you supposed to know what I know? I am challenging your nerd cred, Joe. I am a gatekeeper here on this podcast. But anyway, I was just asking to see if you knew what was what. But 
So reading that, Dreaming is on the list. Dreaming Books of Magic is on the list for me. All right. Books of Magic on a shorter lease than Dreaming, though. You might have to sell me on Books of Magic when that comes out. All right. So that's what we read last week, what we're looking forward to coming out several months from now. More importantly, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them mailed to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out, make sure that you have enough bags and backs to bring everything home. Boards. One of the two things that Todd and I are doing in the calendar year 2018, one of course, is what we're always doing, which is attempting to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I have a commanding lead over Todd, who claims to have thrown the competition uh, two-thirds of the way through. I, I highly doubt that, but we will see. Uh, the other is keeping that running dollar tally of how much money we have spent on comics in the calendar year 2018. I have a feeling that this will be the last time that we do this publicly. I'm, I'm certain. Publicly, yes. And I don't think you're going to catch me on that one. Right. Uh, so, uh, looking at the list, of course, this is a shorter list for both of us. I think you and I are getting, uh, almost, this is a rare week where you're getting more books than I am. I think you have two more books than me. Right. So I went, I started the show. I'm looking at your list. I am going to guess the book you are most looking forward to coming out this week is Pearl number one. Yes, it. I uh, that is the book I'm looking forward to most. It is also the book you're looking forward to most. You're correct. Oh, uh, we're harboring Pearl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's the first of the original creator-owned Bendis, and uh, I think this is a Michael Gatos one uh, over at DC. Is this the one they announced that's going to have the first Bendis Batman story from years ago in it? No. That that they just add because they added, you know, as a thank you or something, or is that another one? I think that's another one. There's no mention of that in the press release or anything else like that. Okay. Uh Bendos uh Bendis Michael Gatos. Uh blah 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 blah. Yakuza, San Francisco, tattoos, all sorts of stuff like that. Okay. Okay. No mention of Batman. But you never know. Batman might just be, like, hanging around for no reason, saying, hey, how are you? Right. I meant it's a reprint, but he's probably whispering secrets in his house. Uh, but this is one of two uh, original Bendis books that are being solicited in the month of uh, August 2018. Based on Bendis's previous history, and this being a six-issue miniseries, and Scarlet, the other not being a six-issue miniseries. They're both on the double list. Gotcha. To keep an eye on them. You know what? I just found the article, Joe, eight days ago, Pearl number one, Mm -hmm. now with free Batman story. Oh, look at that. Which was, I guess, years ago he had a Batman story, maybe in one of the black and whites or something. Uh, That makes sense, yes. And it says... uh, 
that he is going to uh, announce, uh, unannounced until now, Pearl Number 1 will also include Bendis and Gato's very first DC work, a black and white Batman short story called Citizen Wayne that was first published in 2000. So that's going to be added in this uh, thing. I, th- I knew I read that somewhere. Yeah, I did not see that anywhere. Well, there you go. I'm glad I could surprise you. I'm disgusted by myself. Um, you know what? Don't worry. Even more so than usual. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. But I had someone poo-poo me for uh, insinuating that such a book uh, would be my book of the week. But uh, listen, I'm a sucker for Bendis' original stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out everything that Todd and I have done on the uh, internet together regarding comic books. Uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, past pull posts, just to make sure you haven't missed any comics. The 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues, and uh, our little store as well where you could purchase stickers, pins, or shirts with our fancy logo on it by our good friend Tom Durenick, artist extraordinaire at DC. And what do we say? He is the official uh, Colonel Sanders artist. Yes, no, he has done all the KFC issues, and no one has drawn more Colonel Sanders uh, comics than he has. Right. And if you don't want a shirt, don't want a pin, don't want a uh, sticker, of course, you could purchase anything to your heart's content through our Amazon click-through across the top of the page. We talk a little bit about uh, podcast advertising over in After Dark this week. Uh, but some of the notable purchases through our click-through this past week, uh, so people purchased... Uh, McCormick Enchilada Sauce Mix. Ooh. Uh, somebody purchased the Complete Funky Winker Bean Volume 2. Ooh. Apparently they already own Volume 1, because if you're starting Funky Winker Bean at Volume 2, you're going to be lost. Oh, you don't want your, you don't want a lost Winker Bean. Uh, someone ordered two packs of 12 sequin headbands, one in purple, one in silver. No Biggie Smalls headbands? No. Because you said two packs. Get it? Well, two packs of 12. I get what you're saying. Oh, see, I, I heard two packs mm-hmm. of 12. Moving on. <laughs> uh, somebody also purchased accoutrements, pair of lobster claws. They appear to be giant, oversized, novelty lobster claws. Oh, I hope they were real lobster claws for your hands. Yeah, we might, we might have a follow-up on that story in about three weeks' time. Who knows? In the police blotter? Mm, maybe. <laughs> kind of, sort of. <laughs> right. Might be a, a topic of conversation at Swole Inn in the Sheets parking lot. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter or listen After Dark for more on that. And somebody also purchased a Sunjo cordless lawnmower with brushless motor and the protection plan. You got to get the protection plan, especially when you buy it through our click-through. That's right. And I, you, the listener who purchased that, report back to me because I'm in the market for a new lawnmower because I've had mine for about 13 years and it's seen better days. And if it stops raining in northeastern Pennsylvania, I might actually be able to mow my lawn one day. Mm, I want to find out what a brushless lawnmower is. A brushless motor. Motor? Oh. Yes. It's, it says a 16-inch cordless lawnmower with brushless motor. Oh, and then there's fancy. A, then there's a couple other port purchases, but we're going to mention those in the mailbag. But first, Todd, anything in the uh, Todd's Art Attack this week? Yes, Todd's Art Attack exploded all over the Twitter today. Kablamo! Um, from mega contributor Euronymous a couple of days ago, he gave us a 
uh, Superman pa- Adventures of Superman page by uh, Lapum. He has a lot of Lapum art. What kind of guy gets this art from the same guy over and over and over again? I couldn't do that, or I do that all the time. Well, you but, uh, you try to do that. I try. That is true. Maybe some maybe some information on that in the upcoming uh, weeks ahead. Whoa. But uh, <laughs> I cannot wait. But uh, basically, it's the Adventures of Superman, which was a digital first comic, and then they uh, pr- uh, did a print version. And I remember actually buying this comic because I really enjoyed it. Because at the time, um, it was Superman was like being was really crappy at the time, the regular book. And I really enjoyed most of this. It was different creators doing stuff, and I actually even remember this story that he explains about the cult of Superman. They're all going to commit suicide at the same time. And Superman was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to save 800 people. It was a really good story. And apparently there's a nice uh, certain kind of movie stash that uh, Superman's wearing in disguise gotcha. here. So uh, very cool. Also, T-Bolt712 retweeted Chris Piccolo putting out a uh, commission that was his. Um, he, he, Bacallo wrote Dog Days of Summer, which is the White Queen having Wolverine, Cyclops, Sabretooth, and Iceman, it looks like, on a leash like they're dogs. So that's very nice. Uh, always a big Bacallo fan. Um, also we had from Roomba, uh, the Roomba. A uh, long time had- listener of the show. He, uh, he interacts with us whenever an After Dark comes out. Right. Um, he got at the uh, Boston Con, I guess, this weekend, a Tim Sale Solomon Grundy, which is very nice. Very, like, minis- uh, minimalist, but very, very cool. Um, he also got a Bill Willingham Buffkin, which I'm not 100% sure. I'm guessing maybe that's from Fables? It is. Okay, I did not read Fables. That's something I need to get under my belt. And also, he got a Flintheart Glomgold by Don Rosa. By the way, never mention DuckTales to Don Rosa. Oh, yeah? It's, it's always, always, always Scrooge McDuck. He will lose his mind on you. And I just want to throw on there, this was not this past weekend. This is stuff, I guess, that Roomba had laying around. Uh, he mentions that this is stuff that uh, it was from the weekend of Boston Comic Con, but the Boston bombing from a few years back was the same weekend. They canceled the convention, but a bunch of the artists were already in town. So a bunch of the local shops did a whole bunch of different ah. signings and things like that while the artists were already in town. See, what screwed me up was the Boston Comic Con was actually this weekend, I think. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, threw me for a loop. So gotcha, maybe, I gotcha. sh- maybe I should read more, Joe. Uh, you read enough, Todd. I do read enough. So last but not least, again, we are uh, no TV, no movie talk. We're going to talk next week about the new Matt Groening show, uh, Disenchanted. Uh, How much of it we watch in between now and then, we'll see. Uh, But the mailbag is from the aforementioned and uh, longtime listener of the show, part of the network, Jason Kirk, uh, sent us two questions. Uh, One stating, uh, how soon does Marvel tend to turn around their trades, um, starting to pick up more stuff? Like uh, Venom and Deadpool from Marvel, along with Unicron, of course, which he purchased through our click-through this past week. Uh, but to buy any more would be a tad costly. I'm very interested in Cosmic Ghost Rider. Uh, but if I can trade weight it, I'll save some money. Uh, so I'm really just wondering how long I have to wait to read it if I did that. So that's an interesting question. Uh, if you 
and I know, uh, Jason, maybe, well, I'm sure you have uh, input on this, but usually Marvel is pretty good lately at getting their trades out. Like, let's say a six-issue storyline ends. Uh, the trade will be solicited to come out usually about two to, mu- two to, two to three months after the six-issue little arc ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes if you're sneaky, you can tool around and find dead links on Amazon or sites like that to see when those trades are coming out. Uh, but Jason being a digital comic book guy, it may behoove you, of course, if it's something that, uh, like you're not reading a ton of stuff that crossover or you're not reading a ton of stuff that... Uh, is part of a big giant crossover or something, right? It may behoove you to just sign up for Marvel's Unlimited, the digital thing, because everything just comes out six months, six to seven months after it's released in stores. So you're already waiting on it for the trade anyway. But at least with this, you're already getting books digitally, and you could try out tons and tons of other stuff while you're waiting for the stuff that you're actually waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, my take on it is, is very bland because it's funny. I, since I buy so many comics and things that I want to buy myself, I buy the, the issues, the individual monthly issues. So I honestly don't even know how well nowadays Marvel, DC, uh, I know Image is, is way better when it comes to releasing stuff. They almost will have like either the, uh, trade paperback done like the week after the sixth part of a, like a, like a six part storyline comes out. But because of the fact that I buy very few trades, very few hardcovers, I don't know. And the hardcovers that I do buy are the like, I hate to say it are like the upper end fancy gentleman purchases <laughs> of absolutes and stuff like that. So they come out like months or years later after they've milked the hardcover and the soft cover and all the other ways to get it. So I honestly, I, I don't know. I know you, a lot of the companies used to be terrible on that, but they seem to be getting better. I think DC has a, has a, uh, a worse track record than Marvel when it comes to that stuff. Uh, DC has gotten better, but not much better. It's typically about three to four months from the time a six-issue storyline ends. Marvel, like I said, is a little bit better. Your bigger stuff, you're going to get hit much quicker. Uh, Image, as you had mentioned, is the king. They're like, Well, okay, so Image is the king, and Vertigo used to be the king. Mm-hmm. Vertigo used to be the image model where more or less, where six issues would be done, that seventh issue to start a new story arc comes out, and that net, that trade is right there alongside it on the table at your comic store. Right. So if you heard good things about whatever the new book is, hey, issue seven, new jumping on point, new story, and here's the trade of those previous six issues that you heard so much about. And it's usually right. uh, priced to move at like nine ninety nine. Yeah, they've kind of got away from that a little bit, mm-hmm. but they seem to have upped them a little bit. But yeah, for a while there, I know definitely the the first uh, the first Walking Dead trade is no. They're like, you know what? That's no longer nine ninety nine. I think <laughs> I think the train has left the station on that. Well, We're I, gonna up that was to about, the regular. I, I, no, actually, I, it's it's. I think it's like twelve ninety nine. They didn't go right, crazy, but, you know. Right. Remember when it was only nine ninety nine yep. though. Well, they would do that. They, I think they still do that for first trades of something. 
Right. I think you could still get the first trade of Saga for nine ninety nine. Right, and they'll come a point that you know what they'll they'll keep that nine ninety nine price point through the year, uh, you know, hi- hiatus or however long it is, and when it comes back, and then somewhere around like like the next trade, they'll be like, ah, let's bump that up, you know, let's bump it. It's it's been long enough, and I think uh, I know we're all over the place. I think we figured out why he took his hiatus because that why the last man pilot is happening. And we'll see how long, you know, how well that show does. And that'll dictate how long his hiatus is. Well, it's minimally a year or if something gets canceled or, you know, falls apart at pilot or what have you. Right. And then his other question was for me. Uh, Jason asked about uh, the Scotty Young Deadpool book. He asked me if I was still getting it. I uh, didn't see it on my poll list. Uh, did I jump ship after the first issue? Thought the first issue was weak, but the next two issues have been quite an improvement. Now, to peel back the plannings of the show, of course, and you can kind of sort of figure these things out if you look at the poll list and the stuff that we talk about, especially if, and it doesn't happen very often, where we'll bring up a book that'll be our most looking forward book of the week. And then we won't talk about it in next week's what we read last week. I wonder why that is. (laughs) Mostly because we tend to try to keep things positive on the show. But since Jason asked, um, I do like Scotty Young's stuff, but I seemingly tend to enjoy his creator-owned stuff more. He's a guy that I'll try because I'm such a fan of his art and less of his writing style, but more so his art. And him on Deadpool, and I'm like, okay, I'll give Deadpool a try, because I like Scotty Young stuff. But the first issue felt too much like movie Deadpool. And my relationship with movie Deadpool has been discussed ad nauseum on this show. Mm -hmm. And I felt as though, if it was a book that I brought up on the show, it would be a road that I don't like going down on the show, unless I'm specifically triggered by my co-host to follow him down said road. Me? me? Yes. When have I ever taken you down a road you didn't want to go? In a callback, it's either you or the mouse in your pocket. One of, one of the two of you. <laughs> that is true. Um, I, my, personally, Scotty Young's Deadpool doesn't curse enough for me, but I've never uh, read the book. But a lot of times, um, I'll give a book... A book gets one issue. Um... Sometimes two, very rarely three, but the first issue just struck me as this is for people who enjoyed the movies, which Mm -hmm. is not me. Right, but there's a market for that, so let them have it, right? Right, and that's the thing. I'm all for this book existing. The movie did a lot of business. Uh, It probably brought people to comic book shops looking for a book that looked and sound and felt like the thing that they loved in the movies. And if you go and grab the Mark Wade miniseries from the early 90s, you grab any of the Joe Kelly stuff, you grab the Daniel Way stuff, you grab whomever stuff, it's close, but it's not what those folks are looking for. And you got to cater to your audience. You can't, you got to cater to the mass audience. And as much as I would like it, you can't cater just to me. Occasionally, but not all the time. It, occasionally I line up with what the popularity likes, which mm-hmm. works out best for all of us. Maybe I'll come back around on Deadpool, who knows? 
But just, I doubt it. I, I doubt it too. Uh, but just going back to your previous thing regarding trades, you're getting digital stuff. Go get the Marvel Unlimited thing. And uh, well, I won't say thank me because you'll just become enveloped in all this back catalog of material that you never knew you would be able to have such easy and quick access to. How's the search function? Um, I don't know how the search function is, but I understand that, you know, from other people that I know that have it, the gaps that they had before have been filled in, and it does a much better job when you're reading something that crosses over, like, you know, we talk about Deadpool, and there was, um, who's run, it was when, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti was doing Deadpool, and it crossed over with, like, Punisher, and it was just, like, a random one issue of Punisher, and then, like, six months later, it was a random one issue of Black Panther that it crossed over with. Or the order might have been, like, reversed. It was, like, Black Panther first, then Punisher, or whatever. In the past, you wouldn't even know those two things happened. But the mm-hmm. way the book works now, it automatically takes you to what would chronologically be next in the story. Cool. And entire runs are, and like, as far as I know, I'm sure there's some holes. I don't have enough time to search the entire catalog. I'm not that much of a madman, but. You're close. I'm but... close. Not that much, though. Um, I'm sure there are books that have holes in their print runs, but I remember vividly uh, in the Daredevil run, there was just gaps in, like, the, br- like, and I could see it might have been not as Harold as a run, maybe, like, whomever was on it in between Frank Miller and whomever, or whatever it was, but it was like, yeah, here's Ed Brubaker's run that just randomly missing two issues for but no they, rhyme or reason, and it's like, what's are, going on? Are they filling issues? Or no. As someone who read that book for the, you know, Daredevil for the entirety you know, for a better part of 15 years, I know you think that Mark Wade was the one who created it. <laughs> right. But from 1994 up to two years ago, I read Daredevil consistently, you know, every month it came out. And like, I'm not even talking like, oh, this was a crossover. Or this was an annual or this was a, this. It was like, here's issue 181 and 182, 184. It was like part three of six of a story, just not there. Mm-hmm. Somebody forgot to upload it. Somebody forgot to mark it correctly so it wasn't coming up as part of the catalog. But that was years ago, and it's gotten much better from what I understand. Cool. All right, Todd. Woof. That's a lot of show today. That was, and that didn't even involve any TV talk. That's right. So, for Todd, this is Joe closing out episode 411 of Longbox Heroes, saying we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. <laughs>